0: Today on the show, we'll be discussing the tools to create lasting change in order to break habits, plan for success and master your health with Siobhan Khan. Siobhan is an accredited practicing dietitian, health coach, vice president of the Australasian Society of Lifestyle Medicine and director of Discovery Health Coaching. Siobhan has worked for over 15 years as a dietitian, health coach, and presenter. She currently coaches individuals in nutrition and lifestyle, trains practitioners in health behavior change, and develops health change programs across a range of sectors. Siobhan Khan, welcome to the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Can you explain to us how you started working uh, in the field of health coaching?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I think I've always had an innate curiosity about why we do what we do. And uh, I love health and helping people to become healthier and happier. And I originally cha- trained as a dietitian. And I found that after a few years as a dietitian, you can provide a lot of knowledge about nutrition, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's going to change just by knowing what they should do. So I started getting into the field of health coaching and health behaviour change, which is all about the how. So teaching people how to actually implement change, how to get over barriers, how to actually look at their life and see what does work and what does facilitate change and how to increase that. So for me, it just made so much sense and it's just really helped my clients with being successful at health change. And personally, it's really, really enjoyable. It's made my job easier. And, uh, you know, obviously my whole goal is to help people change. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> so why is understanding behavior change important when we're considering making Healthy changes in our lives.
1: Well, essentially, what behaviour change is is the process of changing an unhealthy behaviour, say things like drinking too much alcohol, smoking, unhealthy diet, not exercising, with healthier behaviours. So it, it's pretty simple in terms of that. We're just trying to switch up an unhealthy one for a healthy one.
0: <laughs> so I've heard it said it's useful to set a, a vision. When making health changes, can you explain what this is? What's the vision and, and how do you create one or the right one?
1: Yeah, sure. So a vision, a health and wellness vision is essentially us picturing our best self. So our ideal self. How would you feel if you were the healthiest version of you? So what could you achieve? What would be possible? What would your life look like? And once you've imagined what that feels like and um, put yourself you know, maybe forward into the future, um, you should feel quite excited and motivated and it should give you a bit of momentum in terms of moving forward. So it's incredibly important in terms of our fuel for long-lasting change and that ongoing motivation. What you can do um, with the vision, you can write it up. You can even create a vision board if you're more of a visual person. And some people, it's enough to really have a strong image in their head that they can come back to and revisit. And that's, again, obviously really important. If you do create that vision and get that idea really strong in your head, you need to revisit it regularly to keep that ongoing motivation know going for the long term so um you know it's often important too if we get stuck or we feel a bit demotivated or you know just stuck in the day-to-day Like, oh yeah i'm going for my regular walk every day why are you doing it so revisiting your vision can reignite that passion and go oh that's right because i'm i'm headed towards this goal of me feeling fantastic and being the best version of ourselves yeah
0: so how do we decide where to start changing our health
1: So, yeah, it can often be quite overwhelming. We can think, oh, gosh, there's so many things that I could change. I'd say the best thing is to work out which area feels most important so that's going to make the most impact on your health. But also we need to feel confident in our ability to change. So we also have to look at, okay, can I change this right now? Do I feel like I've got the skill set? Do I feel like I've got the knowledge? Do I feel like I've got the support to start with this particular goal? And if we don't, maybe we need to start with another goal that's also important to us, but we feel more confident that we can get started with. And once we feel like we're kicking some goals with that other goal, that can give us the confidence to go back to perhaps the one we thought of first, but we weren't quite confident enough to start with.
0: So speaking of confidence, there are so many barriers um, to achieving better health, ones we create. So... Can you talk us through some of the more common barriers and possibly some ideas around overcoming with them or dealing with them?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, there is a lot of barriers and I think that's why we lapse in our behaviours. Um, a common one is, is time and I hear that a lot, you know, I don't have the time um, to eat healthy or cook healthy meals. Or I don't have the time to exercise. With time, it's it is usually a matter of our priorities and sometimes health can get bumped down the list of priorities because work might be more demanding or family. Um, So we need to think about our health as a priority and as a means to have the best life that we can have. So obviously without our health, we can't support our families or be a good parent. You know, Without our health, we can't work anymore. So we've got to remember that health is actually essential for us to, to live a great life. That said, though, too, um, obviously, if we can do a little bit of planning and organisation, we can actually free up time throughout the week. So if you think of something like um, healthy eating, if you put aside, say, even a small block of 30 minutes on the weekend where you're doing a little bit of meal planning, uh, going through the the cupboards, the, the fridge, the freezer, doing a stock take, write a shopping list and then have a more structured shop or online shop even. Um, that can help us to then, you know, throughout the week, we already know, we don't have to think about what we're going to cook for lunch or dinner because it's already there and we already know what we're going to do. Also, you know, if we can plan in advance um, by doing things like, you know, cook-ups on a Sunday or, you know, chopping up, some salad items for the week for lunch, then we've freed up that time during the week too. We, you know, we can take the, the lunch in to work with us. We don't have to think about, oh, I've got to run down to the cafe or grab something. Um, and then on the weekly basis, if we've done the cook-ups and they're in the fridge or the freezer, we just have to grab it out. It's pretty easy. Um, but the other thing too, I think, if we know we're going into a really busy period, <clears throat> plan for this too. Say, okay, I'm going into a really busy period. I don't even have time to do that sort of prepping. Can you do things like um, organise a healthy meal delivery service? Can you buy some ready-to-go, healthier freezer or fridge options? Um, or even research really simple meals that you can throw together, like going and grabbing a piece of grilled fish and throwing a salad to go with it, having some frozen fish and frozen veggies in the freezer that you just pull out and heat up quickly. So that kind of – it doesn't take a lot of time. That, that could be like 15 minutes of thinking, how am I going to handle this week? And then suddenly you are freed up all this time on the weeknights because it's all sorted. <laughs> so that's one barrier. <laughs> Let's get into all the others. Physical environment is another one. So, you know, our environment at home or work is going to play a role in our behaviours. So if you think again about what's in your home um, and again we will use food as an example because it's easy and I'm a dietitian um, so if your cupboards or fridges or freezers are full of items that may be low nutrition but high calories so ice cream, chocolate, chips you know all that sort of food Um, we're more likely to go for those items than if we have a lot of readily available healthy options Um, because obviously hunger drives um, you know what we choose but also cravings do as well and we're going to be reaching for food based on either hunger or cravings. But if we've got the right environment there, we can meet the hunger with healthy food and if the foods aren't there, then the craving (laughs) doesn't get met. So that's, I mean, it's an obvious one. Um, And the workplace as well. So having healthy options available in the workplace, Fruit bowls, healthy snacks in the drawer, taking it in, often means that, you know, at work too, we're quite busy. And if we've got the food there, we'll eat it. Because it's always with humans, it's the path of least resistance. So, but if we don't have it there, <laughs> then we're going to go and search options. And if the only options there are unhealthy, we're often time pressed and we just grab them. Yeah, so physical environment, and then this can go for, obviously, alcohol, smoking, um, exercise. We need to create environments that actually support that healthy change. So it's really good to do a bit of an audit of your home and your workplace or any other place you spend time in. Um, so that's the second barrier. <laughs> How long have we got? Um, <laughs> so uh, other things that can be uh, play a real big role are our thoughts and beliefs. So, our thoughts will govern our behavior and and instead of so our emotions as well with our thoughts, they can be unhelpful or helpful so if, for example, if you um, you know haven't haven't been exercising for a while and the thought is just like oh it's just all too hard like. I, you know, I can't even start, it's cold, it's wintry. Obviously, those thoughts are quite unhelpful and you're not going to end up exercising. Um, if you replace them with, hey, look, I haven't been exercising for a while, but I got a pair of sneakers, I can just get outside for 10 minutes, put a warm jumper on you know and get started so structuring in a way that makes it easy for your brain to accept can be quite helpful and you know and thinking to are our thoughts realistic or not too so sometimes we buy into belief systems around the fact that it hasn't worked before so i'm a failure and I, i can't achieve my health goals so question those beliefs and say okay say it hasn't worked before um you know in life things don't always work out perfectly every time and what have you learned along the way you've obviously if you've tried things and they haven't been successful you've learned things that have worked and you've learned things that haven't worked so let's have another go again and apply that i mean you've got the example of driving a car or learning to ride a bike like you don't hop in and you know know how to do it straight away So thinking, being kind to yourself and compassionate with your thoughts too and, and just kind of going, okay, you know, it's all right that it hasn't worked out. That's okay. But what have I done right? What have I, what can I do? And you'll be able to think of things that you have done and that you can do. And, and thinking of those things will make you feel good. And when you feel good, you're more motivated to continue with change so that's why I think those thoughts beliefs and and emotions they play a huge role in behavior change yeah you want me to keep going with (laughs) Barry?
0: values and priorities
1: values and priorities yeah so I, I kind of alluded to that before in terms of um whether your health is a priority or not um so it is about yeah recognizing the role that health plays in your life um for now and the future and as I was saying before write down what you value in your life like what matters to you what has made you the happiest or what makes you the happiest what has made you the most proud what do you want to do with your life what do you want to achieve and then look at health and and imagine if you didn't have your health could you do any of those things um versus if you had your health what could you achieve what could be possible and that's a lot of us, we forget that we take our health for granted a lot of the time until we actually end up with a pain, a disability, injury, illness, that sort of thing. And then we're like, oh, wow, health is important because <laughs> I don't feel very well and I can't do what I want to do. So we need to remind ourselves that 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 our health that we have right now, we need to really protect that. It's not invincible. We're not going to last forever. Um, so, yeah, it, we do need to definitely come back to that a lot and remind ourselves of that. Oh, and and another, I thought of another one too, (laughs) in case you're going to move forward. Um, Social aspect. So our social network, that can be either a barrier or a facilitator. Yeah. So who we hang around with. So if we hang around people that have unhealthy habits or, you know, maybe aren't incredibly supportive, it can hold us back. So it's not saying we have to break up with all of our friends or family or workmates, but think about who actually is supportive in your circle, um, who maybe are are currently doing healthy behaviours who could keep you accountable, who could be a champion for you, and think share your plan with those people and say, "Hey, this is what I want to achieve. Can you help me out? Can you support me? Can you keep me accountable?" And try to be smart about where you spend your time. so um, you know if you if you're trying to reduce alcohol, but you regularly meet your mates in the pub, it's it's quite challenging. So, you know, can you meet some of your mates somewhere else or can you hang around with people that are going to help you reduce alcohol and just, just in the short term spend a bit more time with the supportive people than the people that are going to throw you off the rails? And as you become stronger and more confident, you can deal with those situations easier than in the early days of behaviour change.
0: So how about setting goals and staying motivated with our goals? Do you have some kind of uh, tips or keys to developing and maintaining uh, the goals? Uh,
1: Yeah, so in terms of, um, I'll probably start with setting goals first. Um, The kind of goals that aren't so great and aren't so... (laughs) <laughs> long-term and successful are those new year's eve goals we make you know those ones after a couple of drinks where we go yeah no i just want to get healthy yeah it'll be great it's amazing like um i want to quit smoking or but they're very vague um they're probably a bit excitable after a few drinks but they're uh, not what we call smart goals so smart goals are goals that are specific so they're clearly defined they're measurable so we know what we're tracking So when we check back in a week or two, we can actually know whether we've achieved them. Um, They are, again, achievable. So that being they're not like, for example, if you don't exercise and you suddenly say, okay, next week I'm going to the gym seven times a week and I'm going to do an hour workout. That probably isn't achievable. It doesn't take into consideration consideration all the other priorities that you might have with work and family and whatnot. So go, okay, let's consider everything. What's achievable right now with my goal? The R stands for relevant. So it needs to have an impact on your longer term goal or your vision. And T stands for time bound. So we need to know when we're going to start and we need to know when we're going to measure it by. So a SMART goal might be something like, I want to eat a half plate of vegetables at dinner four nights a week. Starting from tomorrow. Or an exercise goal might be I want to walk to work, so it's a 20 minute walk, four times a week, starting from Monday. So uh, in, when we say the start point, too, I'll actually say it has to be fairly soon. So make it like tomorrow, the next day, at the stretch, you know, the start of a new week. But if you put it too far in the future, probably won't happen (laughs) so it needs to be fairly soon that you're going to start the goal Um, in terms of uh, when you check in as I said before about a week is good because you can really um, measure your progress then and feel good about it or know whether it's right or wrong like if you haven't achieved it then you go back and go okay maybe I set it too high or maybe it wasn't the right goal it wasn't important enough to me or I didn't feel confident enough with it so that's a really good time frame after a week to go okay I'll reassess this and either stick with it or change it um so the other part of the question was maintaining these wasn't it and um yeah so the other thing too that i didn't mention too is having an action plan to achieve your goal so these are the steps that make your goal happen so you can set a smart goal but if you haven't thought through all the steps needed to achieve it you're less likely for it to to be achievable so for example um with The first example I gave you, half plate of vegetables. What do you need to do? I need to include more vegetables on my weekly shopping list. So I need to buy more vegetables. I need to share my plan with my family or partner because now they're having half of vegetables three nights a week or four nights a week. Um, what else do I need to do? I need to share my plan with someone that's going to be supportive or a few people that are going to be supportive and keep me on track. I need to set up a way to track this. So whether it's in an Outlook calendar or you set up a weekly tracking diary, what happens if... You know, I, I get to the, the end of the week and it hasn't occurred. What do I do? Um, you know, do I revisit obviously your goals around increasing vegetable content? So is it more likely to happen at lunches than dinners? Or do we need to shift the days of the week we thought we were going to do the half plate of vegetables on? So essentially, they're all kind of reminders, prompts, their step by step approach to making sure it actually happens. So that's definitely key with um, setting and, and staying motivated with it. But also, I think in terms of staying motivated with your goals, goes back to what we talked about originally, which is reminding ourselves of why we're doing it, the greater purpose, the greater vision, Um, because sometimes these goals, these weekly goals, can be quite micro. They're quite small level day-to-day stuff, and we can think, oh, why am I chopping these vegetables again? But if you go back to, okay, I go back to my vision and my real reason for doing this, it it obviously provides a lot more... um, Uh, what's the word, sort of value around that particular goal that you're doing. The other thing is, is what we've sort of identified before in terms of staying motivated with them is working out, you know, whether it's internally or externally, those influences like the social environment or like the thoughts and feelings um, which ones we need to work on to to stay motivated so you know as I said checking in with someone socially or um, do we need to write something up we need to really have a plan for things that could possibly throw our goal off week to week
0: so how can positive thinking help us achieve these goals? And what are some uh, positive thinking techniques, if you like, that we can easily employ in this kind of health changing journey that we're on?
1: Yep. Okay. So how positive thinking helps is um, we know that from the science, like positive psychology science, is that although we do need negative emotions and they're important, um, they're like a rudder on a boat, we need the positive emotions to outweigh the negative emotions. And why this is, is the positive emotions, they make us feel good. They make us feel like we're moving forward. They build that confidence that I talked about. Whereas conversely, when we're feeling negative, we're more likely to put our head in the sand, not feel good about ourselves. We don't necessarily feel a sense of moving forward when we feel negative. If anything, it makes us feel stuck. We're more likely to languish. We don't want to face health behavior change because it all just seems too hard but if we focus on yeah, positive thinking what we can do what we have done that can make us feel um, like we're heading in the right direction we've got momentum so it's incredibly important to stay on track and for that long-term successful change to be focusing always on the positives so in terms of like how we how we go about it is uh, I think first you've got to create self-awareness and um, we, we hear the term a lot but be mindful so when those thoughts are coming up that are negative or those emotions come in that are negative you know how do we deal with that can we sit with the negative emotion accept it and then know that it will pass and that's okay as opposed to try and deal with it with a bucket of ice cream or whatnot that we know in the end isn't helpful because as I said we we these are part of our life, negative emotions. We can't live without them. We don't want to live without them. They they are the counterbalance for the positive emotions. So we either need to sit with them or in terms of if a negative thought comes in that is not based on fact and it is quite detrimental, we need to work out what are our triggers for these thoughts? Can we remove those triggers or, or move away from those triggers? If we can't, how do we change the way we respond to those triggers? So if an automatic Negative thought comes into your head, be mindful of it and say, Oh gosh, I always respond in that way to that particular trigger. So what's a more constructive way of responding to that that's going to lead to a positive behavior? So it's a good idea to write, write out what your triggers are that lead to negative thoughts, write out what your common negative thoughts are that lead to unhealthy behaviors. And then conversely, if I said you can't remove the trigger, try and work out and write down a more helpful, thought and then um, imagine how that helpful thought would lead to a healthier behaviour. So just getting that out, writing it is is a helpful process because a lot of this is automated. So we, we go on autopilot and something happens, we think a certain way and then we behave a certain way. It's like boom, 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 boom. It happens so quickly that if we actually take a step back and try to brainstorm this when it actually happens in the moment, we've already started to create some awareness around it. So we can go, oh yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm doing what I normally do. I'm thinking what I normally think. Okay, I've already thought about how I could reframe this. Let me try this on. And it can feel a little bit uncomfortable at first, but the more we practice, the more we try it on, the more our thinking starts to change, starts to reframe, and it becomes easier to do the behavior that we want to
0: do. So why is it so hard to break certain habits?
1: Why is it hard to break certain habits? Well, that's because we have usually been doing them for a long period of time. (laughs) And habits are essentially things that we just do and we don't think about. So that's why it's hard to break it because they're usually just quite automatic. Um, So what we have to do first is recognize what we're doing. So that's that whole self-awareness, self-discovery. We need to uh, go, okay, right, this is the unhealthy behavior. And then once we've recognized it... We need to go, okay, why am I doing it? Yeah. So look backwards and the reasons for, for why it's happening. And, uh, and again, that can be, you know, belief systems that can just be, yeah, it's just something you've done for such a long period of time because of the environment. Again, those factors like the environment that you're in, you know, your family's just done it that way. Um, so it, it takes a little bit of digging to kind of work out exactly why you do what you do first. And once you've worked that out, it's about planning strategies for change. And they're not, yeah, they're, they can be quite complex. It's all those kind of barriers I've talked about. So, um, you know, do you have the right social environment in place? Do you have the right physical environment in place? But they're also, they can be quite difficult because life is very busy too. So we have the best of intentions and something, a new challenge comes up and we get thrown back into an unhealthy behavior. And because it was a habit, we've done it for so long. It's easy. It's like putting on a comfy pair of trackies, whereas the new behavior feels a little bit like a stiff pair of pants at first. <laughs> so it's it takes more concentration, more um, ap- application to the new behavior before it becomes automated. And I'd say it generally takes about 12 months. Like with, with, When I work with my clients, it probably takes about 12 months for that new new behavior to become a habit. So it is a process because of the fact you've got to overcome these barriers and because life just changes and it's busy and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, but don't get disheartened. Like, we learn – if we can just view um, setbacks as opportunities to learn and grow and keep that positive mindset, then we're more likely to have success in the future – And also if we keep an attitude of self-acceptance and kindness and compassion as well, it's incredibly important too because, hey, we can't be perfect. So if you're doing most things right, then well done.
0: So is that what you say to people who come to you and they feel like they can't stick with healthy behaviours or have tried to change several times before but haven't been able to do it successfully? Is that the basic message?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, But I find that um, when those people come to me, the confidence is quite low. Uh that so it's a lot of building up confidence and providing a lot of support so i usually work with those people quite closely for quite a few months um around yeah what's got in the way before it's usually a lot to do with mindset too um and getting into particular patterns of thinking or behavior that actually we need to kind of shake up essentially we need to sort of go okay like and lots of people think they're doing the right thing too, like things like, you know, counting calories and going on and off diet plans. They think they're doing the right thing, but you're still ignoring parts of yourself when you're doing that. And you'd really need to kind of sit back, learn about yourself, and and be compassionate. I think a lot of people still beat themselves up with with that too. Oh, I fell off the program, or the wheels fell off, or yeah. So it's 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 taking a new approach. It's having the right mindset. It's looking at what has worked in the past as well as what hasn't worked as well so there's been things that have worked and we build upon those um, to create a new plan new new thinking and new path but yeah it takes time but it's possible and, I, and like with all my clients I work with like they they get good results and yeah it just takes sticking with it though for quite a few months it I think with no one we can really achieve success overnight or even in a few weeks like it really is quite a few months yeah
0: Siobhan Conn, thank you very much for joining us on the GMHBA podcast.
1: Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure.